So here we go. We are in the last section. We've spent a, now this is the 16th session of learning about the what and the why of prayer. We have just basically broke down the average morning. Thank you so much. The average morning into um, um, different sections of, of our tefillah. We started with Modeani. We looked at so many different sections of davening, um, and now we're coming towards the end of that. We finished the, the, the post-davening experience, and that which comes after the davening, so many different pieces that are worthwhile considering. Um, um, we're going to close off um, this session with, um, with the Kriyas Shema Alameta, letting the Kriyas Shema Alameta, which is... Um, um, which is the end of the day. There obviously is much more to talk about. There's much more, many more pieces, and this could be a very, very long experience um, of learning. But we're going to just close this off now, and I would encourage, and I'm interested in people's suggestions for uh, future series, because this actually happens to um, end a natural learning session that we've spent the last few weeks doing. So let's just appreciate this. This um, Just to start off, just with a, a basic ad- observation. I believe that Brachos were instituted by Chazal, by Anshayi for many reasons. But one reason is, is as essentially as traffic lights in our life. They're, they're regulators in our life. What does that mean? Is that we would carry on our lives just in one long continuum of experience if it were not for certain things that stopped us to think about why it is that what we, we do what we do. So before we eat, before we experience something, because wanted to reframe us. I wanted to, to refocus us on what we're actually supposed to be doing. The same, the same is true as when we go to sleep at night. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to reframe that experience. And it, it's worthwhile thinking about this because I've noticed, and I, just so looking around, I look at how few people I, I notice when they've grown up who say brachas. And it always, it always shocks me when I, when, when, when I see this and I see people just eating. Uh, people see. Uh, people see when uh, I see people. Let's forget, let, let, let's even say the bracha rishon. Let's forget the bracha rishon. I see so many people who just leave, have a place where they have eaten without saying anything. Like sort of, we keep just shooting through those those traffic lights, right? We we just keep being mindless about the experiences in our lives, and the brachas were there really to stop us, to make us actually just live a focused life, where we we start telling ourselves that we need to understand the context of the experience that we're. That we're that we are going through, so it pays a lot to to to, to think about this. It's so easy, you know. Or another another one I'm just going to put out there, which I've noticed is 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 an easily overlooked thing, which is tzitzis. I, I notice so many grown men who don't wear tzitzis, um, and it's such an easy thing. It's such an easy mitzvah to to to, to do. There's, there's it's so little involved. If you read the Gemara in Brachas or Yochanan in his deathbed and what he what, you know what which he, what he would have given just to keep a few more mitzvahs. So brachas is one of these things. It's so easy. It's it's a it's a it's a way station between activities to 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 do. Um, it's it, it, it's it's important to think about, and especially when it comes to kriyas shema, because a lot of the activities that, that Chazal were framing when they put brachas in place are natural activities, right? So eating is something I naturally fall into, and sleeping is something I even more naturally fall into. Literally, I fall asleep is the is is the expression in English. So so we have to think about how we go to sleep, not fall asleep, and that's why we have kriyashma So let's 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 think about a few of these these pieces together. First of all, just a special mazel tov before we start to David and Harin, just celebrated the birth of a grandson. This last weekend, Bezra Hashem, the Gabris this coming week, it should be Bashar Tovu Mitzlachas. Bezra Hashem, wonderful, wonderful news. Let's let's learn. So a few basics in terms of the what, the the the, the, the what. 
So you'll notice something interesting is that when the uh, Kriyashma has a number of components um, in it, it has Birkas Hamapil, then it has Kriyashma, then it has a lot of all these Tehillim and, and verses afterwards. It can be quite an extensive, it can be quite an extensive, extensive yeah. experience. If you've noticed it, depending on which pamphlet or tomb you are reading. So question question becomes um, is is one of the things that you, you see different versions have differently is where the hamapil lives. Is the hamapil the beginning of the text or is it the end of the text? And you'll notice that different cards or different sidurim will have it in different places. It happens to be a debate. We'll get into it a little bit later on between the Rambam and the Shulchan Aruch as to what that is. But what we, what should we do? Like normative halacha. So you know, okay, there's a machlokes, but practically speaking, what should we be doing? So the, the Mishra says that it really depends on the nature of the person saying it, practically speaking. If you are the type of person that knows by the end of Kriyashma, you will be in a semi-comatized state, right? Then it is better to say, I'm up at the beginning. And if you know you can make it through without being interrupted by sleep, then you should say it. Um, you should say it at the end. Okay, so in terms of practically speaking, that's what the Mishra tells us is the normative practice. Yes. Uh, normative practice for me uh, is that I read before I go to sleep. Yeah, so hang, hang on, we haven't got there yet. John, you have to give me a little slack over here. We are, we're, it was just one question. So, 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 so let's, let's go a little further into this. That's, that is a question to address in a second. Um, before, but no, another, 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 another question, which is also a, a, a text-based question. You'll notice in some Kriyashma pamphlets, You'll have three parashas of Kriyashma, and in some you'll have one parasha of Kriyashma, just the first one. Which is it? Which, which one should we do? Should we do all three? I'm really tired tonight. Is it all right to do one? So how, how does that work precisely? And then we'll get to, uh, to John's question. And that is, so actually, it really depends. This depends on what you did in Shul. So if you davened Kriyashma correctly in Shul at Mairev, then you only need to do one paragraph. But if you did not do it correctly, then you needed to be doing all three. Here's a little funny thing. I would wager that all the men in this room don't do it correctly. Why? Because we all, most of us daven mincha marev bizman, which means at, time, at, the, at, at the time of shkia. So how is it arranged? So as an example, this week, when mincha marev is at 7.55, why is mincha marev at 7.55? Because... Um, the Shkia is hovering right now around the 8.12s and it's going to drop downwards towards the, um, the 8.06s by the end of the week, right? That's where Shkia is hovering. So we ensure at Shul, the uh, Shul regulates it, that Mincha is going to be finished the whole week through um, at least 10 minutes before Shkia, before sunset that day. So then the rabbi gets up there and gives a Devar Torah. And the reason he does it is not just to hear the sound of his voice, but also to make sure that Mariv starts after Shkia. Um, because you can't daven Mariv before Shkia. So, the, so therefore, actually, just interestingly enough, the Devar Torah will be shorter towards the end of the week than is the beginning of the week, because there's less time to cover. But nonetheless, be it as it may, so um, the, the, the Mariv will start. Now, am I allowed to daven Mariv after Shkia once the sun is set? And the answer is yes. Am I allowed to daven Kriya? Am I allowed to say Kriyashma after the sun sets? The answer is no. For Kriyashma, there's a different time regulation and it goes after Tsei Sakochavim, which means to say that the Kriyashma that we're saying in a regular Zman Mincha Marev is a wonderful thing and it, and, it, and it serves the purpose of learning of Torah. 
reading Torah paragraphs before re- doing the Shemona Esrei, but it is not the Kriyashma, which means that a person has not fulfilled the obligation of saying Kriyashma on a regular Minchamarev in Shul. There are some Shuls which have an extended break in it, right? So some Shuls will have a 20-minute at least break or so on to sort of push it past one of the tzases of the Vilna God at the very least, um, which is less useful here because here it is a longer, a Bein HaShemoshas is a longer twilight zone. If a person davens bizman, they would need to say all three paragraphs of Kriyashma. And here you're going to ask a very good question, which is, if you look in the Shul announcements, the Shul announcements on Friday night say, if you daven a Marev too early, then repeat the three paragraphs of Kriyashma. But it doesn't say that on the weekday. And the truth is, it should. The announcement should say, every night, please repeat Kriyashma with three paragraphs after um, um, XYZ time, unless you're davening a late Marev. If you're davening a late Marev, then you're fine. Your, your Kriyashma counted as Kriyashma. Just a, a fun fact. And that would reflect itself in this, uh, this, as, uh, this as well. What was that? So we should have it. We should have an announcement. And count this as a public service announcement right now that, with that, that, that our Mincha Marev does not, does not count. Yes, John? When we're uh, on the fly, which most of us are, let's say we're driving up to the country on a Thursday night, how do we calculate for the purposes, uh, these purposes that we're discussing, saints? This what I run into all this, this problem all the time. One very obvious solution is myzmanim.com, um, and uh, for, for the public, for the public uh, um, um, is, is very easy, myzmanim. But uh, otherwise, Jews should be, Jews should be co- cognizant of sunset. And once you're cognizant of sunset, um, add 50 minutes to that for Kriyashma and you're set. 5-0 is what Rav Moshe... Um, uh, There's a phone number you can call too. You can there you go. Thank you, thank you. So we're, we're all set. But, but uh, Beros, may I leave it up to everybody here. Everybody's very intelligent and can figure out how to work out the, the times of, of uh, Kriyashma. But, just, but, uh, but, but fast forward, it's very hard to know. The old days used to be looking at the sky. Today it's because of light pollution. It's harder to know. Even in the, nor- in the northeast, it's very hard to know because of light pollution. That three-star so measurement. Okay. So we're trying to the country. The country is no, 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 even in the country, we're still affected by the light pollution to a large degree. So it's very hard to see that. But... Um, the rule in the rule of thumb in the northeast is um, is is take sunset and add 50 minutes and you're set. And sunset changes every day. Now, by the way, it's not just the Jews who are interested in this. I don't know if you notice that if you're traveling with ways, it switches between the day setting and the night setting at, at sunset. So it goes dark around that time, right? But only Jews would notice that because you know about mincha time. But nonetheless, we should be aware of our our our, our uh, mincha Mariv times. Now, lying down. Can we take it lying down? Um, it is Kriyashma Lameta, after all. So uh, the, the truth is, is that um, the Mishnah Brewer actually does raise, the, based on the Shulchan said uh, does bring different pers- perspectives as to when one can say this. And Lechachila, one should be say, saying it's sitting up or standing. But obviously, if a person, uh, if a person perhaps has already done the Kriyashma in, in Shul or at the right time and is already lying down, it is possible to, to say lying down on, on one side, but it is better to be saying it's sitting up as well. And... General rule, <laughs> general rule is there are things that we know that when we say lying down, we're not going to finish saying saying right. So we should uh, we should be a, have that 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 following guiding principle as well. What about reading a book? Ah, so so am I allowed to 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 be reading a book afterwards? So it actually depends on the nature of the hamapil. Generally speaking, we'll see that many poskim are concerned about having interruptions. So the interruptions they talk about, for example, are. Um, eating, drinking, having a conversation, 
and even even um, let's say asher yotzar after the bathroom are things which are lechadchila better to avoid. So much so that even um, in some of the later achron talk about let's say a person re- require needs to go to the restroom after saying amapil before falling asleep, that perhaps it's better not to say asher yotzar afterwards because one will say asher yotzar in the morning to avoid creating a hefsek. But be it as it may, um, there, there, I, I saw in the Tefillah Kehilchasai actually when I was going, just reviewing this from different angles, that reading a, reading a book may not be a concern. Um, if one's not going having a, a deep conversation with somebody, one's reading a book that maybe, so that maybe grounds and might be sufficient to be able to not create a hefsek. One's not, one's not speaking, one's not interrupting, one's thinking as it happens. Um, what about if I wake up? So let's say th- th- some people have this thing where they go to sleep and they wake up and they wake up again. Right, whether it be a restroom break or it's just one's mind or it's just the, the uh, physiological stage. What about, uh, do I say it multiple times? And the answer is, is generally speaking, no. There are, there are those who talk about it, but generally speaking, it is a one-time deal, which will also reflect on the nature of it. So we say it, and therefore if a person maybe wake up another two times at night, that bracha has covered them throughout the night. Reflecting on that, what about during the daytime then? So if I go to sleep during the daytime and I have significant naps on a Shabbos afternoon, as an example, would one say I'm up here? And the answer is we don't do that as well. What about a person who cannot fall asleep? Um, so you know that you're going to say I'm up here and you're going to hope and you're going to pray, but, <laughs> but there's no guarantees. So um, do you say uh, the bracha then? And the, the, the answer is we actually do. We'll see why in a second just because it depends on the nature of it. So let's dri- dri- drive straight into this. Um, does the Torah tell us to say, to say Kriya Shema not, not obviously. The Torah doesn't explicitly say this, um, but... There are a few indications, there are a few hints to the, the, the nature of this, of, this, uh, of this. So as an example, in Parshish Balak, we have this very interesting remez, very interesting hint. When Bilam is giving a blessing to the nation of Israel, he says, Hain Am, this is a nation, Kilavi Akum, who gets up like a lion, the Kari Yisnasa, Lo Yishkav Ad Yochal Teref, does not go to sleep until they've eaten the, the prey, Vedam Chalalim, Yishten, the blood of the, and drink the blood of the slain. Well, it's quite a quite an image there, yeah. right? Um, so um, the, the, the Rashi actually says this is metaphoric for the way a Jew is expected to go to sleep. Says Rashi in the source too, Until they fought away any destructive forces which are trying to hurt them. Person says on their bed, and fends off, fights off, that's the, we'll call the violent description here and the metaphor of fighting off any at, at, attacking forces, that's That's what the Kriya Shema is doing. Interesting observation as to why that should be the nature of Kriya Shema, but um, that's what a person is doing. Um, there is an important thing to, to think about over here, and that is, is that if one wants to wake up like a lion, one cannot go to sleep like a dog. Right, that's, that's, uh, that, there, there's an idiom um, as, as such. Um, and that's true over here as well. If one wants to wake up like a lion, then you need to go to sleep by fending off um, all, um, all these other forces as well. So it's worthwhile thinking what these forces are. Perhaps we'll explore in a moment. But uh, it, it, in terms of how the day begins depends on how the night ended, is what the, is what the Pasuk is saying. And Kriyash Shema Alameta seems to be an important link in that chain. That's what Rashi is saying over here. Just, and that it was a blessing that um, Bilam was saying. I would think that if you take it further, I think it comes back to the idea of brachas in general. 
right? I always, you know, it, it's, it's remarkable to me, you know, like when you stop on the, the side of the highway and you at this rest stop and you see the fellow, uh, you know, in their t-shirt and flip-flops walking out, <sighs> eating their pizza, you know, like they just bought in their, you know, their, their, their super big coffee. They're walking out there, you know, drinking at the same time with their chicken wings on top. And you're like, <laughs> you're like, you know, like, I, it's hard to imagine what it must be like not to have all the regulations, you know, like, it's like we can get the bag of chips, you know, that's like basically it. Like, you know, <laughs> like at the, at the res dub. And like, you know, there's so many things which stop us eating. And, and then even when we got the food, we have to stop and we have to stand still to say a bracha. Thank God, right? Meaning God, God allowed us, gave us a framework, right? So it's not like just like, you know, you, you walk by and opening your mouth and everything falls into it. Like we actually, we, and so the same thing with sleep. Right, what Bilam is saying, you're a special nation. You don't just like, you know, fall backwards on the couch, you know, and then that's it. You know, in a magnificent uh, spread eagle position, you know, snore. No, you, 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 you actually calibrate. I'm going to go to sleep, right? So that's, that's, the, that's what's being said in this, in this boss. Like, is that you're a unique nation. Think about it. Act like that. That's, what, that's what's being said here. Now, so the Gemara talks about this in a few places as to what we're doing. So it's obviously a very early enactment. Um, so the first is, is, there's a few places. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi says in the Gemara and Brachos in Dav Daladom and Beis, Af al-pi shekara adam kriya shuma beis haknesis. You may have already davened in shul. I think he's talking about after the right time. Right? Mitzvah lekrois al mitasai. Even though you did accomplish that, you're supposed to do it again on your bed. Amar Rabbi Yossi, my crow, what's the pasuk that tells us about this? As it says in Tehillim, Rigzu v'al techta'u imiru bilvavchem al mishkavchem v'damusela. So the word Rigzu is, is a complicated word because it means, um, they translate it over here in this, the Sonsino edition as tremble. Right? It could be also agitation, which is another word. Why, why, why are we using that word is a fascinating observation. But al techta'u donsen. Say in your hearts, on your beds, on your, on your, on your uh, cot, the domusela, and then and be silent. So it's interesting is that there seems to be a, a, a way to go to sleep. And a part of that is, is, uh, is, is, is um, doing something in your heart. So before you go to sleep, say something in your heart. Have, have something right that you say beforehand. Prepare yourself for that experience as well. Um, as well. Interesting enough, the Gemara then says, perhaps a Talmud Chacham does not need to say that. And the Gemara says, that's not true. Even a Talmud Chacham needs to say one pasuk of Rachamim. So it seems that there's something necessary for everybody, perhaps different formulas as to how it works. I was looking at the, the, the Rav Steinzaltz Gemara on this, and he said an interesting thing. Again, this is very much his own creativity here. But he says, why? What's the, what's the purpose of this? Why are you saying Kriya Shema? If Rav Yosho ben Levi has already said that you clearly have accomplished Kriya Shema in Shul, right? So what's the function is, this is, he says in his observation, You're, What does it Kriya Shema say? You're supposed to say, When you wake up, and when you're going to sleep. So yes, is the defining the time. And that's the whole first brach, a Mishnah in all of Shas, is when is at the time that people are going to sleep. So that's when you're supposed to be saying Kriya Shema. But he's saying, but actually, practically speaking, it's also more closer to what the Torah was asking us to do um, when we say Bashachma. First, this is a fascinating observation. This is not mainstream thought. We'll see other reasons, but this is his is, is observation. Yeah, Avi. Is, is, is this, can also this be like a, a form of eagerly that a person does as, as he gives over Good question. Head. Good question. So there, there, is, there, is, there are actually those who actually have vidui as part of the Kriyashma Lameta. Okay, so whether it is or it's the time to be doing it, 
there is the, there is that notion. There's sort of like we'll call it the daily check-in at the end of the day, right? There is the Ribbon Shalala, which we have, which many say beforehand, which is releasing other people from one's debt. You know, to go to sleep, releasing other people from from all the anger and the difficulty and so on. So just sort of cleaning one's slate before one goes to sleep is certainly there. But it, it, it may it may have those ideas, but just to be fair, that there are nuscha ois that have vidu in it. The Shlach Kodesh talks about that. So now let's look at the components. So that was the first thing is just Kriyashma itself. Then where does the Birkas Amapil come from? So this comes up in the in the base in the Gemara and Brachos. The almost the entire nusach of our bracha of Birkas Amapil comes straight from the Gemara. Um, there are a few uh, bells and whistles later on in in times which were added into it, which are all wonderful. But the Gemara says in Sosvav, Hanichnas lishan al mitosai, person going to sleep. Oimer mishma yisrov ad vayom shemoy says. And what which paragraph is that? Just the first paragraph. Very beautiful description. It's a really beautiful bracha about what sleep should look like. Um, and in the very end, it's the bracha Hashem Hashem who lights up the world with his with his honor. Kimetaer. That what does that mean? Kimetaer. When you wake up, Aramaic words. Okay, with an aleph is to describe in Hebrew. Over here, or This is this is um, where a person is waking up. And then you say the 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 the, the, the other part of it, which is that's on the, on the on the other end. So we have this bracha of Amapil. It sounds like it is said with the first paragraph of Kriyashma. This is an additional component. We have to ask ourselves what's the nature of this bracha. We'll get there in a second. So we need to get the the details out here. Part three of this is said in the Gemara and Shavuos. It describes that when Yerub Yashur would go to sleep at night, he would say what's called Parshas Negoim, the paragraph of plagues, or Pegoim, attackers, dangerous forces. What does that mean precisely? So the Gemara says what he would say is, in source six, so you say that this part of this is Tehillim, Tzadi Aleph, which is a, a, a very special prayer. We say at special times. When else do we know that we say this, by the way? When is it usually said? At a funeral, right? And it talks about uh, when a person is, uh, how Kodesh Baruch Hu is, so to speak, is the protection, is the overarching protection for the Sneshama. Um, this is when we escort the Niftar. It's worthwhile noting that they should, this shouldn't be lost upon us, that sleep is a me'ain of Misa, that sleep is a handing over of of uh, of one's soul and uh, separation of soul and body to a certain degree, so it's worthwhile thinking about that process. Um, but then, the, finally, then Mizmoradavid-Bavarcha-Mipnei-Avshalam-Bonoi-Am-Hashem-Arabut-Sarah-Hashem-Arabut-Sarah-Hashem-Arabut-Sarah-Hashem-Arabut-Sarah-Hash
which means I leave out the introductory verse of paragraph of Mizmor Gimel, but it's Hashem Arabu which is Mizmor Gimel, which is based on the practice of Rabbi Yeshua in the Gemara over here. And later on, you'll see in the Gaonic time, extra additions add on. So for instance, the Torah quotes in Source 7, Rav Amram Gaon, so we're talking about before the time of the Rishonim, after the time of the Gomorrah, we're roughly in the years 500 to 1100, common era. So because of Rav Amram, Rav Amram was one of the first people to formalize the Siddur that we have, Rav, the Siddur of Rav Amram going um, in it, he would say. Obviously, these Pesukim relate to getting up and going to sleep. Then you quote a pasuk in Zechariah, the third, the third parak about being protected. We are sure kind God being protected. Adding a few extra psukim to him. I'm giving over my soul to Hashem. You're the God of truth. So then you add in Berakas Kohanim. So a lot of different pieces that are put into the the, the end of it. Yeah, these are not part of, the, of what the Gemara had said. Haya Aymer, who's who's his father? The Rosh Rabbeinu Asher is the father of Rabbeinu Yaakov who wrote the Tur. Hashkivenu ad samach lechasimav that he would uh, he would also say Hashkivenu without the bracha at the end. So you notice these are all the components we have in that Kriyashma. We're talking about very long, at least a thousand years in terms of what our Siddur looks like in terms of the Kriyashma Lamenta. And then he talks about taking your, of your uh, of your or, or, of your garments and doing it in an appropriate way. Fascinating. So we have all these different components which uh, appear over here. One interesting Kabbalistic addition over here. The Elia Rabbah quotes the Shlah, who quotes the Tashbeitz, and on the top of page four, who says, "Roimeli shuascha v'chol shisha panim v'shuascha kivis Hashem v'shuascha Hashem kivisi kivis Hashem v'shuascha kivisi v'shuascha Hashem Hashem kivisi v'shuascha Hashem v'shuascha kivisi." I'm kind. So Shalai Kodesh will take these three words and send them in all the six permutations you can have put three words in. Okay, um, he says, uh, uh, quotes the So why six times or six permutations? Because of trying to fend off at, um, dangerous forces in all six directions, up, down, um, and then uh, northeast, west, south, uh, and, and south. So um, that's, uh, that's sort of why six. We don't do it that way. We only do three. We do it three times. And the way we do it is with that pasuk, which is one of the shortest pasukim in the Torah in the brach of Yaakov to his son Dan. So what we do is, and just the way we're doing it essentially is we're, we're essentially Hashem's salvation. Hashem's name is moving closer to the beginning, right? Essentially, we're seeing the salvation of Hashem as his name becomes more expressed in that, in that verse. That's where we're saying, but where does that practice come from? It comes from this Kabbalistic practice. I think this accounts for almost all the things over here. There is one other an interesting addition, which you'll see in later acronym, and that is for a man to say the first four um, 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 chapters of Tehillim. After the creation, you'll see sometimes see Ashrei. Um, that's the first paragraph in Tehillim, and the four, four paragraphs over then. That is, that, that is how a person should be in the mindset not to have an unnecessary seminal emission. That's an interesting observation which is said. You'll see actually on the Nara Yom Kippur, it specifically says that as well. You'll see it in the Mahzarim, but on a regular night, that's also put over there. So these are, these are um, uh, the different components of the Kriya Shra. So now, well, question is, is, so what's the nature of this? What, and perhaps the nature of it is, is best to focus on the Bracha of Hamapil. Kriya Shra itself, you may, there, there may be multiple reasons, but what, what about Hamapil? So it, it, it may actually depend on 
where you say it, when, when it is placed in the actual liturgy, in terms of relationship to sleep. Because it, just a quick recap about how brachas work, there are three categories of brachas that the rabbis instituted. The one category is called birkas hanehenin, where I am enjoying something in the world, I'm eating, I'm smelling, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm having a physical pleasure, I have a bracha which frames that experience. Then there is the Birkas HaMetzah, I'm about to perform Mitzah, I'm about to shake the Lulav, I'm about to hear the Shofar. Um, uh, for a man, I'm about to put on Tzitzis. So I say a bracha, and we know that those brachas are unique because they have a different Nusach. Baruch HaTashon HaKenem Melech HaOilam. Extra uh, phrase, Asher Kiddushon HaMetzah Sovet Zivano. X, right? So that, that's the Asher Kiddushon HaMetzah Sovet Zivano is the Mitzah part of it. And then there's a third type of bracha, which is the Birkas HaShevach HaOidah. We're relating, we're in wonder, emotional reflection on Thunder, lightning, rainbows, large amount of people, mountainscapes, the Mediterranean Sea, all kinds of wonderful things. Those all refer, fall into Birkas, um, the, 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 the bracha of Birkas HaShevach HaOedah. So where does the Birkas HaMapil fall? So that becomes the question, is, is what's the nature of this experience that we're supposed to be doing? So it may depend on when we put it. So as an example, there's a very important Morgan Avram, we're not going to look at the whole thing, but just the beginning is important, is, is, he, is he says in Source 9, I mean, so the second line, which is par is sif cotton base. Mavarach hamapil mashma de berkas hamapil yomer achar shma. He says that the shulchan aruch's language indicates that we actually should say the berkas hamapil the end of the process of all the rest of the things. Shetei abracha semucha l'shena. That should be right next to sleep. V'chein ikar kain nearly, and so it seems to me should be the case. It is a misidur loshena tur ishur chonok mashma de achar shma yomer hamapil. So it's interesting, the Shulchan Aruch indicates it's almost as if we say Shema, Hamapil, then all the other Telem and the rest of the stuff that we, 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 we have. He said, the reason he suggests for that is because that is all about warding off perhaps damaging forces, which is not considered a hefsek or a break. Now, when you use this language that you need to have Hamapil adjacent to the sleep process, what does that tell you about the nature of that bracha? What type of bracha is that then, if, that's, if this is the way he's framing it? So it is interesting how which which bracha of the which which of the three types of brachas is most necessary to be a pro, uh, to be closest to the activity. So the mitzvah, yes, that's true, and that's over laasiyasan. But this is not a birkas mitzvah because we don't have that extra phrase in the birkas mitzvah, right? This is not shekishon. Birkas anen, right? So the birkas is a blessing on food, which is why if I'm holding an apple, right, and I say the bracha on the apple and it falls on the ground. Right, and it gets ruined, then I, and then I have a problem to understand a new bracha because the bracha has to be really very, very much connected to the activity that I'm doing. When it comes to the brikas shavach, the brikas shavach actually is responding to a phenomenon, so you should have it close enough, but there's a lot more flexibility in terms of the brikas shavach, in terms of the, proxi the proximity to the experience as well. So the fact that the Magen Avram is telling us you've got to make sure that you're, you're going to sleep right after you say this bracha, and that's why it's put even after the, the paragraph of Kriyashma, after the whole experience, it's telling us that. It sounds like it's a little more about the nenim. What's the hana over here? Sleep. <laughs> Don't we all wish we could sleep more? Right, so that's, that, that's the point he's, he's saying, is that sleep is a physical activity. Right, um, our doctor just walked out, who's, who's, uh, who's a sleep specialist over here, and it is fascinating, actually, uh, when Dr. Huberfeld was here, was here, he gave a, a lecture in the shul on the topic of sleep. Uh, um, and, uh, and he pointed out that there's two reasons why the body needs sleep. One is because of circadian rhythm, so there's light cycles that, relate, that, that reflect the need for sleep. 
But there is another reason as well, that there's a certain enzyme which builds up in the brain and that needs to be metabolized after a certain period of time. And one becomes heavy if that's not metabolized and there's a natural need for sleep. Jet lag is when the two are not in tandem with each other. Right, so jet lag is when the circadian rhythm is telling me it's light now, but one's brain is, has all this, has this enzyme which one hasn't been able to metabolize because one hasn't had the time to sleep. So one feels tired and heavy in the middle of the day. Right, that's when jet lag happens. There's two separate, uh, separate indicators. I'm just quoting Dr. Huberfeld, yeah. Um, but it's, it's just f f so fascinating. So sleep is a very ple a pleasurable activity for many people. Think about how, how, what, what we do, how many... Um, how many loops we, we jump through to be able to get a, to get a good night's sleep, right? Speak to Celia and how much, they're going to how much money they're going to charge us to, 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 to do this. So he says, that's a, that's a hanos. So you say a brach on that. The brach needs to be close to it. However, if you look at other mephorashim, like a, a, a later contemporary of the Morgan Avram, the Ali Rabban the Shulchan Aruch says in source 10, quoting the Shiari Knesak Dola, and he says, Motsasi bebirkas Avram daf chavzayin kosher shema lo yishon. This is what, wait a second. Let's say you say you say the bracha of Amapil and you can't fall asleep. So how could you say the bracha then? How could you say the bracha on something which is not definite, which is not imminent, which is not a hundred percent guaranteed? Let's say I, I see you know the, the, that an apple is flying through the air. Can I say can I say the bracha if I if I have not do not know if I'm going to be able to catch it and grab it? No, you got to have it in your hand. Right, you can't you can't say a brach on an indefinite um, outcome. Says Yesh Lomar, he says potentially who al teva hashena. It's on the nature of sleep that God instituted in the world. People just cannot make it without sleep. What's the most effective form of torture or an, an extraction of information today? Is sleep deprivation. Right, it's much more effective than physical torture. Perhaps it's not only on my personal experience of that, but it's on their nature in the world that God allowed human beings to sleep. Remember there was an old, an old TV show, I don't remember what it, was, what it was, about two aliens who came down in the form of human body and they wanted to act like human beings and so they get onto a bed and they're just lying there looking at the ceiling and they, and they say, well these human beings, they, they lie down and well, what are we supposed to do next, right? <laughs> so, but when it comes down to, to this, it's, well, thank God, thank God we have this time. It's the grand equalizer. Imagine that, 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 that you could bank sleep. Imagine that you could like, you know, sort of put a credit in and you know, you could, you could have an army of people and sleep them for three months so they could just, you know, attack for the next three months. Ter terrifying th thoughts about what people would do with this. It's the grand equalizer. Give it, a, give it 18 hours and everybody is, and, and that's it. We're all, we're all very vulnerable. We're flat on our faces. So thank, thank you, Akash Baruch for allowing us this renewal process. Um, and, and we're thanking on that. If that's the case, that's much more of Shevach in general, and it relates less to my personal experience about it. This is lightning. God, thank you for, for, for allowing that there's a discharge of, of negative, a, a negative charge and it, it precipitates a storm and there's rain. Thank you for all these things, Hashem. So thank you for the notion of sleep and therefore it doesn't relate specifically. With that, if one looks at it from the Eli Rabbis perspective, obviously there's more flexibility in terms, of, in terms of how close it is to sleep, which will also explain why, like in the Rambam as an example, the Hamapil comes first because it's less consequential that it's right next to the activity. Right, this is where we see these, these ideas expressed elsewhere. So now, that's the Bahamapil itself. But what about the, the actual Shema itself? So why are we doing the Shema? So the first most obvious reason is, actually, I, most people don't realize this, it's the third Rashi in all of Shas. 
Rashi describes is, is on the first mission in 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 Maseches Brachos, which describes that you're supposed to say Kriyashma we adnat ad I didn't put this in the notes, but Rashi says that um, he, he he says the following. I'm just going to quote from this Rashi. He says. Why do we say Kriyashma in Shul if we're only diving right after the Zman like most Maros are? With, with, so why are we saying it then? He says, That you're saying your, your Shemona Esrei after Divrei Torah, which is Shema, but not the Mitzvah of Kriyashma, but just the paragraphs of the Torah of Shema. And he says, "Achi tani b'brayisa b'yerushalmi." He says, "Lofirach chayva alenu likroisa mishetechshach uva kriyasa b'har pasha rishon sheadam kore al mitasa yatsav." I'm saying the first paragraph, one's bed, one is fulfilled the the the, 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 the mitzvah of kriyashma. So Rashi says the most basic thing is if one didn't say kriyashma properly, one should be saying it on one's bed because one needs to fill in for what one didn't do. If one didn't say it, there's a mitzvah to say it or not. That's that. That's it. If a person did not daven mariv, let's say a woman is not opted into the to 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 mariv. And he's saying Kriyashma uh, Lamitta is literally the Kriyashma of the night. So that, that, that's number one, is most basic. But another part, part of this is, is that, is that do, you, do you remember the Gomorrah Brachos and Daf Samach of Beis that we noticed over there? The, fir, the, the first thing the Gomorrah says is when a person is Nichnas Limitoso, they say Hamapil. Then there was say the next paragraph of the Gomorrah is, Kimataya, when you wake up, you say, Elokai Neshama. God, you put the Neshama into me. Says the Me'iri, uh, the uh, Rav Menachem Me'iri on the Gomorrah in the 1400s, in Source 11. You notice something interesting? That's a bracha that does not start with a baruch. Why does you don't you say baruch atah or whatever else uh, you would you would put in that phrase there? Why? Because it leans upon its friend. Like 18 of the 19 brachos of the Shemona Esther don't start with Baruch because they are leaning on, they are relying on the first brach which started with the Baruch. He says the same thing over here. Why? Essentially, Lakanashama is the tail end bracha of the Birkas HaMapil that you said before you go to sleep, which is fascinating, which means to say we are framing the experience of sleep. Sleep, in a certain sense, is being framed by two brachas. And how do we end the Kriya Shema Lameta? I'm giving over my. I'm giving you my neshama. What's the, the morning? Is right? You you returned it, and you're going to return it in the future. Which means to say, we're framing this experience. Very beautiful. Right? We don't just go to sleep. We don't just wake up. We talk about it on both ends, and we appreciate the experience. Very very beautiful. That's number one. Now then, then in terms of appreciating the sleep itself, um, the Gemara tells us in Brachos a fascinating, very obscure idea. Al Teshual Mita Amitas Aramis. Don't sleep on an Armenian bed or, 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 or an Armenian uh, Aramean woman. Don't walk behind a shul when it, like you know Iri is davening and you walking in front of it kind of thing when Iri sees you not davening. Um, as examples, the Gemara says, "Al Teshu Mita Aramis." What does that mean? Don't go to sleep like a non-Jew, right? Don't go to sleep like a, like an um, Aramean. We just, you know, falls asleep. Say, make a sacred say kriyashma. So it means say it's framing anything we do actively, thoughtfully is is, is different. There's another few explanations. The more what that means is that the more describes that there was one time there was a fellow who sat, sat on a bed on our our, um, our Aramean woman, 
and uh, she asked him to sit on the bed and he refused to and then they found that there was a dead body of a child underneath the bed and she was going to frame him for a crime he didn't commit so like you know not something new in Jewish history unfortunately um, blood libels go very far back but nonetheless just be careful that's the Gloria saying is, is because of that um, but be it as it may that a person should be should be thinking about um, about about the uniqueness of being a Jew with this. Now the most famous idea behind Kriyas Shema is Mazikim, which means dangerous forces. So that case of Yeshua ben Navi that we talked about before in Source 14, the Gemara in Shavuos is, um, he asks the question. He says, you remember he said Yosheva says so Elyon, and he said Hashem Morabu Tzarai. He said those Mizmor 91 and, and number four before going to sleep. So he asks the question, Amaluhu Lahani Krav Vagani. So so he would say these Psukim as a protection. So Gemara says, Hechi Avid Hachi. How could you do such a thing? You can't use Torah as, as a healing process. Now, just to clarify, you are allowed and absolutely must daven, but to, to what, what's called loichesh alamaka, which means to say to whisper, psukim as a segula over, over a wound. That's, that's, that's what we talk about. He says, Torah has not been meant to be used as incantations, right, for, for all kinds of um, things like that. People get very trapped in these kind of things today. Um, amulets and all that stuff is coming back, right? So you, Torah, we've got to be careful about what we're using Torah for. So how, how can you say these these uh, the, these things? He says, Lahagain shani, to protect is different than to heal. Okay, yeah, right? Prevention, one ounce of prevention, whole pound of uh, of intervention. So uh, um, so th- that's what is being described over here. So it really is chasing away something. As an example, the other Gemara Brachos also says on Rabbi Yisak, "Al kol akore kriyashma b'alamitasai mazikin b'deli mimenu." You say kriyashma mazikin dangerous spirits um, separate from Yisur. You and he talks about these psukim b'nei reshef yagbil uf. All kinds of fascinating forces. What are b'nei reshef on these interesting things that, that happen at night? So you say to yourself, "Well, when's the last time you met one of those? When when do you?" When did, did any of anybody have any encounter with any of these things? So um, the truth is, is that the way, the way it's described, the way that the Ramchal describes in Derech Hashem, Derech Hashem essentially is an encyclopedia of Jewish thought. So he talks about all kinds of fascinating things, and he says, like, sleep. How does sleep work exactly? So, um, so he says, when a person sleeps, essentially, um, the, the higher levels of the neshama, of the, of the person's spirit, are become less tethered to the, to the, to the, to the, to the body. So to speak, the kite string is lengthened, right? So they're no longer as incarcerated by the body. So yes, the nefesh remains, which is the lowest level of the soul, but the ruach and the neshama and the chai and the yichidah start, start drifting, um, which is when a, person, when a person sleeps. Yes, wait a second, but we can physiologically measure them and put sleep meters on them. Yes, yes, you're right. We can measure the body and the, the expression of the nefesh, but the, the parts you can't measure with those instruments are actually now, are, are actually traveling. And they have experiences in the divine world, says the, the Ramchal, which accounts for some aspects of dreams, not all, so the rest of it might be the challenge, right, uh, are physiological, but there, but there are spiritual emanations which are uh, as a function of where the higher parts of the Neshama is wandering, where it is exploring. And also in that area, the negative forces that the Neshama encounters in those realms could be damaging. So when we are saying the Kriya Shmala we obviously think immediately, you know, is the door locked? Are the windows closed? Is the alarm on? Right? All those things. But no, 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 no. You have to think about where you will be metayel, right? Where your soul is going to be experiencing. That's what's being referred to here in the Gemara. Those are things you don't feel and you won't be able to describe, but there's, there's something else going on, which is referred. Now that's, that's a little Kabbalistic angle. It's worthwhile learning the Ramchal inside. 
But from the, those who live in the rationalistic camp who say, I don't subscribe, it's very hard for me to understand that. Um, so um, the Me'iri does say, a very fascinating thing, which is worthwhile thing, and very, very practical in Source 17. Um, there's a little paragraph here. He says, says the Me'iri, very much in the rationalistic camp. It's Lee. He's referring to bad and corrupt thought processes. Means to say, we are incarcerated in many, in many thought cycles that we don't allow ourselves out of. We hold suffering, we hold grudges, we hold envy and jealousy in our hearts, and we don't allow ourselves to escape these things. Says the Me'iri, that's the Mazikim. The Mazikian isn't some sort of uh, extraterrestrial force which is affecting us. It's ourselves, not letting ourselves go. And so at the end of the day, when we say in Kriya Shmala to protect ourselves from ourselves, that's when we say the Kriya Shmala Just relax. Let it go. I just, uh, just, uh, just started reading the choice. Right? And just uh, thinking about the, the way she describes releasing oneself from one's own prison. We are imprisoned by ourselves, and most people in life don't change. They just become more like themselves, and if we don't work on ourselves, so every night we have a check-in, and the check-in is, is can I release myself from negative thought patterns, bad emunos, bad beliefs, and those bad beliefs start at home. How do I see myself? And that reflects to how I see my family and how I see the world, and, and I can't forgive myself, I can't forgive them, and I... Let's, let's, that's what the Kriya Shema is about, so it's much more practical. And by the way, usually when you work to the, walked into the Me'iri side of the camp, it's much more work. It's all nice to, to go with the side of the Kabbalistic side that by saying these things, I'm protected. And that's wonderful. And there's a, a huge amount of, of, of truth to that. When you come into the, to the idea of the Me'iri, like, I'll give you an example. The Me'iri says, what is the impact of eating Simonim on Rosh Hashanah? So Kabbalistically, and then you're in the beginning, and sweet, and, and all these kind of things. The Me'iri says, it's so like when you're eating your meal, and after you've spent all these hours in shul, and now you are burying your face in, in, in the challenge, right? <laughs> it says, it's meant to be that you're supposed to be thinking about, do you deserve the things you're asking for in your davening? What am I going to do right now to be different? And, uh, now, <laughs> that's much harder to achieve than eating the simonim and thinking about Kabbalistic, uh, Kabbalistic um, elements of what the year before, because it's, it requires work. Right, so just to appreciate the, the, the difference in perspective, yeah. And that's what's supposed to be happening in Kriya So, A.B., coming back to the, to, to the, to the, 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 this element of Vidui is, is related to this idea as well. Coming back to that Rebona Shalom about releasing other people at the beginning is related to this idea. A lot of self-work over here. And of course, if, uh, the, the fi- finally last, last point over here is, as the, uh, as the first Halacha in Shulchan Aruch says, Yizkaber ba'akari la'mod ba'bokel avodas boiroi, she'ehu ma'oroi sashachah, he's supposed to awake, awake like a lion. To, to bring about the, the to wake up the dawn, and um, and the and the the Then in order to do that, when you go to sleep, you need to know who you're going to sleep in front of. Right? It's not like you know you checked out when you came in the front door. It starts off the way you go to sleep in order to be able to understand how you wake up as well. And this relates to a lot of fascinating psychological study, which is about how one, the attitude with which one goes to sleep will impact the actual nature of the sleep itself. So gratitude is one of these fascinating things. There's so much research which is done that a person's physiological sleep will improve 
if a person has an expression of gratitude before they go to sleep. If a person writes down two things of gratitude before going to sleep, it has been shown chemically that a person will sleep better. This is not just ideas and nice things. Let me say physiologically a person will, will be able to do this as well. And in, the, in the second paragraph, it's easy to see how gratitude could have this effect. An attitude of gratitude makes you more aware of the good things in your life. This upbeat, positive outlook helps keep pessimism and worry at bay. So it's no surprise that a number of previous studies have linked gratitude to greater happiness, satisfaction with life, and optimism about the future. Fewer studies looked for a connection between gratitude and sleep. However, a couple that did, did find the benefit. In their seminal research, psychologists Frank Robert Emmons, who's the sort of father of thankfulness, um, and Michael McCullough, um, um, asked people with uh, neuromuscular disorders to make a nightly listing of things they were grateful. After three weeks, participants reported getting longer, more refreshing sleep following up on this lead. The researchers at the University of Manchester in England looked at how gratitude might affect people's snooze time. Their study included 400 adults of all ages, 40% with sleep disorders, who completed questionnaires that asked about gratitude in sleep and pre-sleep thoughts. Gratitude was related to having more positive thoughts, fewer negative ones at bedtime. This in turn was associated with dozing off faster and sleeping longer and better. In short, when you cultivate gratitude throughout your day, you're more likely to have positive thoughts as you're drifting off to sleep. Rather than ruminating over the friend who forgot to call, you're thinking, uh, or, um, um, you're thinking about the co-worker who stayed late to, to, to help you. Instead of obsessing over bills, you're thinking about the client who just landed. With a positive thought as a lullaby, um, uh, thoughts as a lullaby, the more likely you are to drift off into a peaceful slumber. And it's fascinating that the Ramam says, so what happens if you can't go to sleep? Let's say you say Kriya Shema and you can't go to sleep and it's not doing it for you. So what, you know what the Ramam says? It says, repeat the, 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 the paragraphs of Tehillim again until you fall, fall asleep, right? Now, Dr. Huberfield just pointed out to me beforehand, he says that it's actually medically recommend, recommended is that you take a, it will call it a very vanilla activity on repetition, which allows a person to sort of stop obsessing um, and focusing on, micro-focusing on specific issues which are preventing oneself. In so medically speaking, he thinks that I'm talking as a doctor, not just a, um, as, a, as a spiritual practitioner there as well, which is why people, of course, talk about counting Sleep, uh, sheep, uh, sort of a monotonous activity which just sort of brings that. But instead of just counting sheep, we can actually if, imagine, imagine that one's sleep process was accompanied by saying the psukim of Yosheba Sarion until one drifts off, right? So I sort of had an ending with that meditation upon our Kodesh Baruch Hu. It's a very profound, profound experience of a person, and one can understand how that would impact one's future day. Okay, folks, this is a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, uh,